I'm Betsy Reed, and this is The Discomfort Practice, where I talk to creatives, activists, leaders, scientists, and a host of others about discomfort, about the role it's played in their lives, who they are and what they do in the world, and the value of discomfort in helping us move forward as a society. Discomfort is just the edge of your comfort zone, and on the other side are superpowers. So settle yourself in, and let's get uncomfortable. So it's been a minute since I've done a solo episode, and now seemed the right moment to do it. So if you're not listening to this podcast in sequential order, my last episode was episode 36 of season two, well, episode 36 period, in season two, and it was a chat with my friend Luis, one of my discomfort running buddies, and we talked about personal trauma and how that has shaped us and how that has actually become a force for good. And the response to that episode has been amazing, overwhelmingly lovely and supportive and proactive. And people have really taken the time to reach out. And this is people who know me well, but also even just acquaintances. And I I deeply appreciate that. But what it's reminded me of is actually that when I am really stepping into my discomfort and expressing it through this medium, this little podcast that seems to be of interest to an increasing number of people. So thank you to those of you who have joined me from around the world who are listening right now. I'm, I'm really humbled and overwhelmed by that. But I'm particularly overwhelmed by the fact that you're responding to me talking about discomfort with people and me talking about my personal discomfort in some of these episodes. So it was just a reminder to me that often the way we deliver our own power, the way we send out power, the way we help others to find their own liberation and the way that we deliver good to the world is often through discomfort. And that's what really led me to set up, start this podcast. Uh, Last October, it launched after a long time of teaching discomfort, of thinking about discomfort, and then obviously experiencing discomfort and becoming super hyper conscious of it during this pandemic, because there was so much stillness and time to ponder that and be uncomfortable. So I was just thinking about what the edges of my comfort zone are, and what really brings me into discomfort. So another episode that that really made me uncomfortable. I'd say my top two is the interview I did with Traver Bohm. Hi, Traver. So Traver has become somebody who I kind of look to as a mentor. He's kind of tucked me under his wing and gives me advice. He's going to be a guest in my next season if he says yes. Um, But the episode I recorded with him in season two, this season, was really uncomfortable for me because it took me into being more myself than I had been publicly. So we we swore a lot. We got real. Uh, he lives in Colorado. I'm from Wyoming. So we kind of talked about, you know, the where I'm from. And and he's just so real that he he challenged me, not directly, but by just being himself to be very real. And that feels very vulnerable. You know, being real in a recorded format that's out there on the internet uh, is is still uncomfortable for me. But the other The other episode that made me really uncomfortable that I also thought about not posting was the last one, the one with Luis, episode 36, when I talked about personal trauma. I revealed a lot about myself. And part of what made me uncomfortable about that was 
You know, I don't think my parents have even registered that I have a podcast, nor do they listen to it, nor are they likely to. But the thought that they might really made me uncomfortable because I realized I have a great discomfort, and a lot of you can probably relate to this, around disappointing others and not wanting to be disrespectful because I truly do believe that they did the best they could with what they had at the time. And I think they would do things very differently now because we've all grown and we've all changed and we've all come to see the world very differently and with more grace. But it it was really hard to put that out there. And I can feel myself getting a bit teary as I even think about this because it was a little bit of a tension for me between owning my story and telling my story in a way that actually I worked really hard to get to the point of seeing my my story of, yeah, physical trauma from my childhood, from my very religious upbringing in which my parents believed it was their, you know, their duty to punish me a certain way, um, to get to the point where it's not a story of victimhood or overcoming or there's no bitterness left in it because it used to be a story I told and you know people would be like oh my god that's quite a backstory but it wasn't working for me because it was still me sitting in that trauma reliving it not having really processed or grown through it and now it's a story of grace and growth and having learned that my nervous system reactions that were wired into me from an early age aren't reality and I can overcome those and I can be conscious of them and live differently, process life differently, realize that some of my natural reactions are wired from that. But putting that story out there, you know, I don't want it to be a savaging of anyone. And I also don't want to disappoint my parents. I don't want to disappoint anyone who knows them. So that was a real discomfort for me. And then I sort of started to think through all the other edges of my comfort zone. And one of them is of quitting. So this is just going to be a little meander with me through the edges of my comfort zone right now in June 2021. So quitting is something most of us have probably been taught not to do. You finish things. You finish the food on your plate. You finish the project. You finish the race. You stay married to somebody even if you're miserable. And actually... Quitting is uncomfortable because we are programmed to hear it as failure, to think of it as failure. But actually, sometimes quitting is about leaving things that aren't for you, leaving things that aren't aligned with who you actually are conscious you are. So as you grow and change, you allow yourself to quit. And this comes at an interesting time. I do uh, a quarterly strategy day for myself because obviously I run a couple of businesses. I have a lot of projects and and I'm, I'm me. I'm putting things out into the world and I like to do that with a vision and and some milestones. And I was reviewing the strategy that I did for myself in June 1st to start this quarter, to start the second half of the year, and realizing that I've started to really speed up in my ability to cut out the things that aren't aligned for me. And what that looked like was I've actually shelved three projects that just weren't working for me that just weren't lighting me up that actually weren't what I want to do anymore since June 1st I've quit three things since June 1st which is on the face of it if I stopped there you'd think oh what are you doing but actually what has happened is I've now had space to say yes to things that are so aligned that are working on self-leadership and women's leadership in (laughs) I'm gonna help run a women's leadership retreat in Nigeria later this year or early next year so things like that are flowing in 
So just to flip the lens, quitting isn't failing. Sometimes it's leaving space for things that are truly for you. And and also of being willing to not be liked for it. You might disappoint some people. You might not be liked as a result. But that isn't a reflection of your likability or your lovability. Just like being in a relationship with someone who doesn't act loving towards you doesn't mean you're not lovable. It means they don't act loving. So it's sort of really starting to come into my own as somebody who can step into that discomfort and be very conscious that I've been trained to try to have everybody like me. I've been trained to not make waves. I've been trained to not quit things, to be a, a, a finisher, not let people down. And that has led me to things like having a to-do list every day that makes me get out of bed with dread. And I was like, I am self-employed. What am I doing? <laughs> because I can't blame anyone else for this stuff. And I think I'm now in a life that really doesn't leave me very many excuses because I'm self-employed. I'm enough of an expert in what I have done for over 15 years that I kind of get to say no to things that aren't for me and wait for things that are for me and people come and ask me to do them. I get invited to do things and it's a really beautiful place to be. But that means if I'm feeling kind of victimized by my to-do list, it is no one's damn fault but my own. So I realized, I think it was last week, ugh, I'm a slow learner sometimes, that I, I was just feeling overwhelmed by dread and kind of resentful about my schedule and my to-do list that I never got through. And then I thought, wait a minute, I'm doing this to myself. How am I letting myself down? So this kind of brought me to this freedom to just step back and take a more stoic overview of my life where I'm not reacting to things. I'm actually just strategically thinking, okay, I've added up how many hours are in each week. I have prioritized how many hours of sleep I need, how many hours I need for the relationships in my life, how many hours I need for self-care, which is things like cooking yummy meals or working out. And then what's left of the hours in my week, what do I want to do with those hours? How do I want to prioritize my time? What's the work that is for me? And it really gives a, a good time budget for me, and you might want to try this, to decide what I want to do with those remaining hours and what kind of work do I want to be doing in those hours that I want to work. And so it made it easier to think, mm, this isn't something for me. This isn't something I want to be doing anymore, even though I'm good at it, even though I can help people out by doing it, by writing a campaign strategy or by being involved in this very worthy campaign or whatever, but just realizing it's not where I am right now and it's not what I'm called to bring to the world right now. And giving myself the freedom also to recognize that perhaps that means, actually it definitely means, it's for someone else. It's not that I'm letting anyone down. I'm leaving space for someone else to take up that work, to really enjoy it, to run with it, to be in their alignment by doing it. And if I'm taking up space that I'm not supposed to be in, I'm taking up space that somebody else is supposed to be in potentially. So if you start to think of it that way, there's kind of there's no failure in quitting things if you think, no, I'm leaving that space for the person it's meant for. Stop taking up the wrong space. Take up your space. So this is a bit of a meander, but I, I also wanted to talk a little bit about how part of that process has, has helped me to really step back and think differently about, well, quitting things or 
being not okay with things. And it's often, maybe it's the same for you, a lot easier to to learn these lessons in a professional context than it is to do it in, say, a relationship, your personal life. So something that I have been stepping into more is allowing myself to show when I am not happy about something, when something is not my thing, or I don't feel like I'm being treated with the respect that I deserve or recognized for the expertise that I have or paid for it. So what I used to think of as being difficult, I'm now realizing it's actually just about being aligned and saying when things aren't for me. And rather than spending the energy on being upset that something isn't working for me, and then also keeping it to myself, which takes more energy, and then trying to fix the thing that isn't my thing to fix, which takes more energy, and then still having to probably be doing it because I haven't quit it or let other people fix it. It's this huge energy drain when you're in something that's upsetting you or not aligned. And so there have been a few occasions lately when I have actually felt incredibly free to to say, this is not working for me, or this is not what I do. And just sit back and let the other people either scramble to fix it or agree with you that, yeah, you're right, this isn't really what we thought it was going to be, or yeah, sorry about that. Actually, we appreciate what you've done and we need to find somebody who works at, you know, in a different way or a different level or whatever. So I'm sort of vaguely alluding to a project that I recently quit, but it's it's about then giving myself the space and energy to do the things that are for me rather than having to fix the world for myself and everyone else. And I'm sure that a lot of people can relate to this. I don't think it's a particularly female way to be, but I do know that it does tend to be something that a lot of my female friends and just females in the world were trained to try to make the world nice, to not make waves. You know, you walk down the street and some stranger, random dude tells you to smile because, you know, your role in the world is to smile and act happy. And in rejecting that, in showing up for myself and allowing myself to not act happy has been really incredibly freeing. And I do believe in getting uncomfortable with that and stepping into that discomfort, I've found great freedom. So I guess this meander is all about kind of saying this. Find the edges of your comfort zone very consciously. What are those things for you? It might be that you can relate to this where quitting things is really hard for you. Or the fear of disappointing others seems like worse than death. But these are all these big stories that we tell ourselves. And sometimes it's in exploring the edges of that discomfort for yourself that you find the areas you're called to free others. So in talking about my tra- my childhood trauma and risking disappointing or embarrassing people I really love and respect, I have gotten responses that show me that that's kind of what other people needed to hear, that that is actually something I needed to bring to the world. In quitting things... Because I'm saying, this is not for me. I'm going to say yes to myself and my own happiness and my own ability to rest and have energy for other things. Rather than getting bogged down in worrying that I'm going to be disappointing someone or displeasing someone or, you know, horror of horrors, blowing up a connection or messing up my professional network. Actually, what I've done is I've found 
really gracious um, colleagues, people who are like, yeah, I understand that. Sorry about that. We, we should find somebody who actually does that. But can we stay in touch? I hope there are no hard feelings. So it's allowed other people to show up in their best selves as well. So I guess a good question that I'm pondering all the time and, and I'm kind of enjoying chewing over is how can showing up for yourself enable other people to show up for you too or show up for themselves? Because it's not just that vulnerability breeds vulnerability. It's also that being in your power maybe helps other people to show up in theirs. Showing up in your power means people who aren't dealing with the things that trigger them about you or whatever, they can't hold you an energetic or emotional hostage. So when somebody reacts to you and tries to project their shit onto you, you're aware enough to know that this is not my stuff, this is your stuff. So yeah, I'm just meandering my way through this because I'm figuring out my own edges of discomfort. I'm figuring out that it's often the area from which the most power flows out to the world. And I talk about this a lot. I teach it a lot. But practicing it is still a very different thing. And it's something that I have to practice regularly. And that I will continue to practice regularly. So as I review my guests in season two, as I review how well I've done on the diversity that I've aimed for, I, I recognize some gaps and I just want to say I'm I'm starting to plan season three, which will launch in September. So I'm going to take a little time off in August. So we've got the last few episodes of season two coming over the month of July, and then I'm going to take August off. I might post a couple bonus episodes or meditations or something, but just going to take a breath, take a break and start to record season three. But if you have any suggestions for guests, the theme is going to be something around the discomfort of stepping into the new human experience. So I'm going to get uncomfortable here and talk about how I do believe we have stepped into a new paradigm as humans. We've finished up the last one where it was all about building systems and the industrial revolution and all of that stuff. And now we're stepping into an era in which we understand that human beings are not machines that the systems that we have built over the past few centuries, millennia, have kind of broken society and the planet in a lot of ways. And now we are seeing the rise of things like more intuitive ways of being, more holistic ways of being, more holistic way of seeing the world, of understanding our connection to each other, to ourselves, and to absolutely everything and everyone. So looking at things about, you know, the discomfort of stepping into a new way of being, a new paradigm, because it means some of the old systems are going to have to die. And I've talked about that a bit with guests in season two, like with Ed Gillespie, who referenced somebody who said, you know, some of the systems are going to fail and some of them we're going to have to kill. So looking at things like what are the uncomfortable edges we're going to have to step over as individuals, as society, and how does that look in different sectors, in different roles, whether it's the arts or our understanding of gender identity, our understanding of healthcare and well-being and everything under the sun that makes up who we are and how we are as human beings. So I'm really looking forward to launching season three. 
If you do have any guests you would love to suggest, again, please do send them my way. I'm on Instagram at the Betsy Reed. That's B-E-T-S-Y-R-E-E-D. I always put it in the show notes. And if you want to drop me an email, please do. I'm Betsy at Betsy-Reed.com. That's straight to me. No filter. No uh, admin account there. That is actually my email address, and I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear what you think of the discomfort practice, what you think of your own personal discomfort practice, anything you'd like to share, anything you'd like to share about this episode or any of the episodes that have really struck you or challenged you, or if you'd like to challenge me on something, I welcome that. That is discomfort that I actually love. I love to be challenged. Oh, not always. Okay, not always. I won't lie. But it's productive, and it's how we grow, and it's how we learn from each other. So thank you so much for listening to my meandery solo episode. I'm getting a little more comfortable with the format, so thanks to Traver Bone for pushing me on that when he asked me, all right, what are you having trouble with? And I was like, solo episodes, they just feel so vulnerable. Who would want to listen to me waffle on for more than 10 minutes? And he challenged me to just go for it. So this is me being slightly less uncomfortable, but still in my discomfort practice recording a solo episode as my flatmate makes a smoothie across the flat. So hopefully you didn't hear too much of that (laughs) in my little home recording studio. But thank you for listening. Thank you for holding the space for me. Please do hold the space for yourself to get uncomfortable, to explore the edges of your comfort zone, whether that means not smiling when you don't feel like it, quitting things when they're not for you, showing up for yourself, telling your story even if it makes some people uncomfortable, and being willing to not be liked by everyone. You are likable. You are lovable. You are worthy. So keep exploring your discomfort. Keep finding your superpowers. And thank you for joining me. Thank you to my team who helped me produce this podcast. To my brilliant editor, Dimitar Svedkov, To Thomas Sheffer for the original music. And to Luis Amaro for the original artwork. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help me reach new listeners by leaving me a five-star and written review on Apple Podcasts, following me on Spotify, or anywhere else you love to listen to podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at TheBetsyReed. That's B-E-T-S-Y-R-E-E-D. If you're interested in bonus episodes and guided meditations I record regularly, head over to Patreon.com and become a supporter. For the price of a coffee each month, you get access to a community. So there's really only one thing left to say. Thank you for spending time with me. Stay uncomfortable.